loneliness, companionship, plus understanding, plus assurance, plus joy, plus despair, plus altruism, divided by respect, divided by domination. There came a time when the old gods died, the brave died with cunning, the noble perished, locked in battle with unleashed evil. It was the last day for them, an ancient era was passing in fiery holocaust. Welcome to the epilogue to Tales from the Parents' Basement, Key Back Issue, a podcast that explores single issues of importance through the birth of comics all the way to the Bronze Age. The birth to... The, what, the adolescence or the early adulthood? I'd say early adulthood. Okay. Yeah. Yes, this is an early adulthood podcast. Um, so we used to do a podcast, a comic book-centric podcast called Tales from the Parents' Basement. Um, but And we're, we were filling the itch and wanted to restart again. That's right. Right? Yep, I think it just uh, came out of natural love for the medium. And uh, our competition of buying Kirby uh, books online. <laughs> yep, and um, most of those other guys were posers. They didn't really like comics anyway. So this is what basically what's left of people who actually like comics. Yeah, in fact, uh, they, <clears throat> you know, we consider ourselves, uh, you know, gods at the time, and uh, we're the new gods reborn out of That's the right. fiery furnace of yep. podcasting. Yep, we're the uh, we're the fourth world, and they are the fallen Asgardians. That's right. Right. Yep. Spoiler alert. Um, so basically, what we do in this podcast is we pick a an issue that was important in the history of comics, and we di- do a deep dive into it, or as deep as Kelly can go. <laughs> and. Um, we uh, we'll just tell you what we know about it, but we're we're gonna tell you now. We don't know everything, and we're gonna be wrong lots of times. Probably more often than not, wrong. Yeah, <laughs> and that doesn't matter. Well, what we want this this isn't gonna be like a super polished podcast either. It's gonna be just one of those, like basically, we want it just to be like you're at the comic shop talking comics, you know, like back when yeah. that used to happen. But just being, uh, you know, part of the. Uh, part of the discussion even though we can't hear you yeah so you only get a one-sided view of it but if you want us to hear you stay tuned for further episodes and we will find a way for you to contact us and get in touch and play along that's right because we're going to talk about some issues that w- that we feel are important um to the history of comics um um not necessarily everybody has their own favorites so i'm sure we're going to be missing out on some that um you think are important and if you have suggestions as soon as we get that contact info send it in yeah we'd love to review a bunch of different stuff not just what's on our plate but others people other people's plates also uh, opp opp other people's plates yep that's right <laughs> you down with opp yeah you know me all right <laughs> that's that's basically what you're in for is a lot of 90s rap references and lame jokes that you won't that you might not understand but if you do then stick with us laugh along that's right so what you been up to Callie so currently um, you know I just uh, trying to get over this whole like oh sorry ahead. before no. you get too far yes your hosts are Callie Kaysen and Spencer Douglas we that's right yeah that, right yep so 
The the one with the um, beautiful voice is is Spencer, and the one with the high nasally voice is Kelly. That's that's correct. Yes, <laughs> I. It, you could probably point me out of a crowd just based on my voice. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So yeah, a little bit of background, I guess, in uh, comics. I uh, liked them when I was a kid. Got to high school, ignored them, and came back to comics in uh, in the early two thousands, and. Um, I will actually give you guys a recap later on uh, an issue that brought me back. That's cool. That's I think that's a similar story with a lot of us from our age group, right? Because the, the 90s, the the market fell out, dude, from the bottom in the late 90s. Um, and that's a lot of us just got soured on the whole thing, dude. So we walked away and then certain, certain of us made our way back, right? Yep, found our way um, yeah, back to the best medium of all time. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think Todd McFarlane ruined it for everyone. <laughs> Do you think so? <laughs> yeah, I mean, just oversaturation and a um, hundred Spawn covers. No, he didn't do variants really good oh. of his. <laughs> like I think they did with the Spider-Man stuff before, but when he went to Image, I'm pretty sure he just came out with your regular covers. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. And I don't think really any of them had foil in it. So you must Thank be goodness. you must be thinking of somebody else. I must be. <laughs> Sorry, um, Rob Liefeld. <laughs> you see the um, they casted this Bond movie, the new one. Oh yes, um, Jason Momoa. <laughs> no, that's Crow. Oh, that's that Crow. Yeah, that and he's Krull. no longer in it. That's right. Right. Uh, Jamie Foxx. Yeah. Right. Ja- Jamie Foxworthy. Jamie Foxworthy. <laughs> Dude, somebody should do a mashup of Jamie Foxx and Jeff Foxworthy. So Jamie Foxx can just shake as he walks. <laughs> what? Is Jeff Foxworthy an epileptic? Oh, no, Jeff Fox. Oh, sorry, I was thinking of uh, Michael J. Fox. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So much wrong with that. Uh, uh, yeah, but Jamie Foxx was cast as uh, the next Al Simmons. Um this is gonna be an interesting movie because it's being directed by Todd McFarlane, which I just can't see that being great, right? No, I, Frank yeah. Miller directed a movie and it yeah, sucks. Yeah, Spirit. Right? It was garbage. Yeah, <laughs> he put uh, Will Eisner's character to shame. Just... Is there any other comic creators that have directed movies that you can think of? Uh, not uh, Stan Lee, maybe. No, I don't think no. he. I think he's just on cameos. Yeah, yeah, dude, he's just soaking up that sweet, sweet cameo money. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I don't think any other comic creators have, have really directed mm. anything. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting, dude. It's kind of crazy that, like, I don't know, man. The 90s seems to be coming back around with all the Deadpool, X-Force stuff. Yeah. And now Spawn's coming back, dude. I think people, now it's been long enough that people are nostalgic for that stuff. They want it bad. Yeah. And it's. I mean, it's. I think it should be let, lay where it lies, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, is it going to be a musical? Do you know? It's a Spawn movie? Yeah. I, I'm hoping so. Yeah. Dude, that's funny that you bring that up because when I used to love Spawn when it first came out. It was my favorite comic by far. And I used to listen to um, the Metallica Black album. Uh-huh. And this was before they made the Spawn movie, the first one. And um, I remember I would listen to the Metallica Black album, and then in my head I was picturing all these like Spawn scenes that could be from the Spawn movie <laughs> for every song. Yeah, yeah dude. I was, like I had a, like <laughs> the whole thing going in my mind. I'm like, oh, that would be so sweet. It was like, uh, hold my breath as I wish for death, and it's like Spawn coming up out of hell and and having nightmares about his dead wife. 
So, oh. yeah, dude, that's why I didn't have any friends. That's why I still don't. I'm here. You're only here because you want some of that sweet podcast money. Uh, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Speaking of which, if you're a Patreon, you can uh, stay tuned in to the very last of this episode. If you're not a Patreon, turn it off. We have a special bonus content at the end of this episode for Patreons, but we don't have the ability to separate these two episodes. So, um, if you're not a Patreon... Okay. Sorry, okay, we gotta stop. Okay, that's only funny to us, I understand. But what we're saying is... Don't listen to Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude, we're totally screwed. Okay, don't listen to the last five minutes of this episode if you're not a Patreon subscriber. Anyway, exactly. Okay, yep. <clears throat> let's get to the point of this show. Perfect, okay. Um. So one interesting thing about this uh, issue is that the epilogue is at the beginning. Um, the first panel... It shows essentially Ragnarok, the old gods battling death and destruction. And there's an image of Thor, or it looks to be Thor at the bottom um, in the during middle, this battle. Actually. In the middle, yeah. sorry. Yep. In the middle of the page, yep, you can see there's a there's a guy battling. It looks like he's got a hammer and he's got the wings on the side of his helmet. And mm-hmm. yeah, but basically you are supposed to know that this is he's done with them uh, the Asgardian stuff and he's on and these are new gods. And I, I, I love that. I love the, the, this sets that up. And even on the cover, it says, when the, old gods, when the old gods died, there arose new gods. So you know exactly, like, from the beginning, okay, this is what's happening. So, and, and we should mention real quick that this is part of Kirby's fourth world. That is, uh, when he um, left Marvel um, in uh, 1970, I want to say, um, he came over to DC. DC said... Well, you know what? Do one of our titles, which was Jimmy Olsen, and then you can do three more other. Dude, Kirby was doing, he was doing four a, titles. Yeah, they, at one time. Currently, that's yeah. insane. It's wins, and as much as he drew. Yeah, well, he's drawing, writing, plotting, like everything, yeah. dude. Dial, yeah, everything. Like, I, I've seen writers do multiple issues of it but, per month, but not. Dude, not, not, not four not, titles. Not artists are, and artist writers. That's and insane. they're tied into each other, and they make sense. And they're huge. The scope of this is enormous, dude. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. incredible. So, yeah, basically, DC said uh, pick a title. He picked Jimmy Olsen, and then um, bam, it's uh, New Gods Are Born. And, and I don't think he picked Jimmy Olsen. Nobody was really a fan of the Jimmy Olsen comic. I think that's why he did it. But if you were, you were probably so weirded out, dude. Like, oh, yeah. Like, Jimmy Olsen was just this corny book forever of Jimmy Olsen getting into trouble and super basically it was like the Lois Lane comic book but Jimmy Olsen was the one getting saved by Superman all the time and then all of a sudden Kirby's bringing in like Dark Side that's where he introduced Dark Side and there's all this like epic space stuff going on so that's yes. that's where he um, introduced the fourth world and now he's really blowing it up so then uh, what looks to be Asgard gets blown up. There's two Earths split. Well, I can't say Earths, but planets. Uh, you got Apocalypse and New Genesis. And then a close-up of Orion uh, coming in uh, using his Astro Force to uh, project him on his Astro Harness. Yep. And his Astro Harness is like this... Uh, it's just it's weird. <laughs> it's so Kirby, dude. I, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like... He's getting propelled by these two um, uh, jets that are on the 
on these connected to these handles he's holding on to and then the handles go into a belt and then from the belt there's these two um, poles that come out for things for his feet so yeah it's really cool looking it's it's awesome and it's so kirby um but yeah anyway so he, he's going and um, you'll notice Kirby's kind of setting up a theology here. That thing I read at the beginning is uh, is what the epilogue says. Um, and and then he comes and he says, he zooms into the page right into your face and he says, I have heard the word, it is battle. And then it do doesn't really say what that means, but then this light starts going around him. He's up in space and then he sees, oh, I, could t I know who that is. Uh, that's, my, that's my old pal Light Ray. And so Light Ray leads him back to the utopia known as New Genesis, uh, which looks like a newer, more modern Asgard almost, Yeah, um, is what I would kind of describe that as. And you can see the planet below um, where the Forager lives. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, um, Orion says, well, or I mean, sorry, uh, Light Ray says, welcome back, Orion. And he takes him down through um, the cities uh, and... We don't know where he, where he was, what he was doing, but he's just uh, looking, he's admiring New Genesis, and he says, uh, it still grows with eternal splendor. And basically, um, Light Ray is just saying, you know, uh, they're catching up a little bit. Light Ray is like, you know, you're always so dark, you're always so down, man. You gotta smile once in a while. And then he starts breaking into song and dance. Yeah, yeah. And snapping his fingers like <laughs> yeah. a, a beatnik. Yeah, <laughs> basically that like, He's all about light. He's so happy. He's just like, you've got this dark side to you. He doesn't say it. That would be too foreshadowing. But <laughs> he does say that, like, he says, um, there, uh, he says, you have chambers within you that no one can enter. Out of all the celestials, you're the one that's pl most plagued by shadows and things like that. He's but, like, what? Yeah, that's how he greets him. He's like, dude, yeah. <laughs> it's nice to see you and all, but man, you're really a downer to be yeah. with. <laughs> Look at those red eyes. <laughs> yeah. So he takes him to go and meet the High Father, and then what happens? And then High Father uh, is basically listening to a choir of children or, uh, you know, young teenagers. And um, as he is listening, uh, Orion shows up. They go and talk for a moment, and then High Father bows to the children. Spencer made a good uh, note earlier that, you know, in this society... Um, where High Father is essentially the Odin of this planet, you know he's bowing to the children as as their servant, not necessarily them serving him. So a uh, very high regard for the youth of today, back in the seventies. In the future. In the future. <laughs> <laughs> so so they're talking, and they have this big gigantic wall called the Source, um, that uh, is supposed to contain the life equation and. It's the power, it grants the power that uh, the High Father's um, staff has. And um, they'll, get way, they'll get more into that. There's like a, a life equation and an anti-life equation. Um, and they, and Me Metron shows up out of nowhere. Everybody's just showing up right in this place. Yep. And Metron shows up. And you can tell Orion doesn't like Metron, right? He's, he's just like... He says that for a scrap of knowledge, you would sell the universe into slavery. Yeah, Metron, you know, like his quest for knowledge is all he cares about. So he, he would do anything just to gain more knowledge. So he's kind of a dirtbag. Um, anyway, yeah. But at the same time, he's not... Right now, they're basically on the same side, right? So, yeah. So they're working towards the same thing. It's just the motivations um, are different. 
Um, and right now we don't really totally know what the motivation is for um, Orion, but as his story folds out, <clears throat> and and he'll learn more. Um, but anyway, on the source wall, it's uh, there's a message that appears as written by a hand in fire, um, and it says, "Orion to apocalypse, then to Earth, then to war," and then has a little fire emoji at the end of it yes right? <laughs> with a wink <laughs> yeah and so so that's his mission so he came down to new genesis to find out what his mission was and that's what it said so he says okay so i've got to go to apocalypse which is the other planet then i got to go to earth then i got to go, go to war yep so he uh takes off in his astro harness he says a head lies apocalypse the shadow of new genesis there'll be no cheery greetings there so we should, I mean, we could spoiler this. It's coming at the end of the, uh, actually, does it, do they reveal that? Uh, eventually they reveal that Darkseid is Orion's dad. Orion is a good guy. He was raised on New Genesis, and his dad is Darkseid, right? Right. So when he's looking at Apocalypse in this, in this page, it's on page 12, if you're following, um, it looks a little Death Star-y to me, right? Like, yes. It's got this one big thing, uh, this big, like, volcano-type thing. Yeah, but which could look, uh, looks a lot like the Death Star. It does have two other ones, but what's interesting about this is there's this whole theory that George Lucas stole the high concept for Star Wars from, from this, right? Right. Um, because they've got the Astro Force, um, which is like a lot like the Force, Dark Side, is like Darth Vader and Luke is like Orion. Right. And then you got a Death Star. Yep. And and they were able to live on the battle station, right? Because that's, isn't that where they, uh... can't you live on the Death Star? Yeah, dude. There's yeah, that's what on I there. thought. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, dude. So, um, yeah, so it. it and then the Parademons are like stormtroopers. Yep. And then, uh, but that's okay because K- Kirby stole his fair uh, share of stuff too he stole planet of the apes basically completely for commandy so um yeah so they, it's All just share and share like that's right so <clears throat> then what happens so he's going to apocalypse right yep, so and he then, flies apocalypse he beats the crap out of like you know five or six uh para, or parademons and he um describes where he hides his astro glider uh, at the feet of dark side statue and then he goes off to the throne room of, of Darkseid. Uh, on the way there, um, the Hellhounds, is that what they're called? I, thought I think it's, so. It's something like that. I can't remember what the Hounds are called. But, um, we'll call them Hellhounds until we find different Yeah. <clears throat> so, oh, here they are. Uh, dogs of War? No, I don't know. Anyway, so the dogs are chasing him, and he's like shooting back at them, and uh, they're fighting. And he comes to the throne room and greeted by... Calabac. Yep. And so I I love this because like there's just so much happening in this issue. You're introduced to all these new characters that seem like they have cool backstories, you know, like who's this Metron guy? Who's Calabac? Who's like Light Ray? And I it's an awesome introduction um to these characters, I think, cuz it, it actually makes you um question uh their, their stories or just say you know you want to know more so you're going to buy the next issue and try to find out right yeah it's like you're thrown right into the middle of this universe that's already been existing without you right and then you show up and and here it is with these guys that you know um they're fleshed out already and but the thing is we're seeing these guys for the first time we're you know issue you know or not issue but uh page 15 16 and you know they uh 
that's all we know is what has been shown thus far. Yeah. So so Kelly mentioned Calibax showed up, but what Orion was really trying to do is go straight to Darkseid, right? So he was going to go find Darkseid. I don't know what he was going to do. Was he going to talk to him or try to beat I, him up? I think he was going to try and confront him and see what was going on. So, But he gets there, and it, it's empty. Um, there's a mass director unit um, there, which... Um, Basically, it's this gigantic, like, walkie-talkie thing that's supposed to transmit Darkseid's orders to the people that are on Apocalypse. And that's when, when he sees Darkseid isn't there, that's when Calibax shows up. Calibax's about to attack him um, with his, what's his um, club thing called? They actually say what Yeah, there's called. a name, I don't remember the name um, of it. But that's what I love, oh, Be Beta Club. Beta Club, okay. That's what I love about this, is like, there, there's names, like, Metron rides around on um, the Mobius chair. And he's got a beta club, and so it's like... An uh, astral harness. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. Yeah. I love that. The, the Kirby just hadn't... He thought, well, I can name all these things. That makes them more important. And, you know, th there's probably a backstory to the beta club that I don't oh, know about. I'm sure, you know I mean? yeah. So, yeah, I think it's, it's, beta club sounds like a fraternity to me. Oh, that's right? a... Right? Yeah, we should make a fraternity called beta club. <laughs> don't you think? A f fraternity for 40-year-old guys? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, sounds good. Like old school, dude. <laughs> Okay, so, yep, uh, so Calibax about to beat him down. Metron shows up and saves him, right? Yeah, so Metron comes in, uh, just appears out of nowhere, puts a wall between uh, Calibax. I think it holds Calibax down and uh, protects Orion while Orion runs. Uh, I, they explain some more important stuff that, you know, um, I'm not going to go over. But uh, Orion runs into this room that Darkseid was uh, actually experimenting on humans with. Um, so Orion releases the humans as soon as he releases the humans metron's like i'm out and calabac gets back up and comes charging at him well he shoots his um club beta club mm -hmm. yeah not alpha club beta club <laughs> yeah shoots the out beta club um and as he's shooting it um orion uses his um power which is He's the trying to shoot it at the people, right? At the humans. Right? Yes, but yeah, and then Orion um, was is a, even a, he's afraid himself to use the power that he has because he doesn't know how powerful it can be, and so this is essentially the first time we see him use it, and he shoots it back at Calabac to uh, get rid of him. So Calabac gets blown through a wall. It looks like. Um, and then what's what's interesting to me is it on this page or. Um, Oh no! I guess it comes later, but like that, all the humans. So the humans all seem dumb in this to me. They actually remind me of the humans that he used in Commandy. Like the humans were, just, were just so dumb, and they're just like sheep, basically. Yeah. But, uh, like they're just there to get in trouble. Oh yeah, and then they. What's interesting is, so uh, after they get saved, they all introduce themselves. So there's my name is Victor Lanza. I'm an insurance broker. And then she says, "Hi, I'm Claudia Shane. I'm a secretary." It's like, why are they telling you? <laughs> but I'm not a spot. He doesn't have any reference for insurance broker. I'm no. sure. <laughs> or secretaries. Yeah. I think he just gave them a occupation that you know maybe they thought anybody could be taken. One thing I did. Uh, sorry, did I cut you off? No, you're okay. Good. One thing I did notice, and I, I don't think there's a direct correlation to Fantastic Four, but it's um, there's an older guy, a, a woman, and then two guys that look kind of younger. Um, and that maybe that's just my imagination running wild, saying like, "Oh, this you know, this may be a different version of a Fantastic Four or something," uh, because it is a space odyssey. Um, so I thought it was kind of interesting that he used that same uh, dynamic and number of uh, males to female. Um, I don't know if there's any basis behind that or anything. I'm just 
saying that I thought it was interesting myself. Yeah, that is but. interesting. So they um, basically he opens up a boom tube, which is how um, they travel um, long distances, like light years away, right? And he brings the people back home to Earth. So so you can see he did what um, his mission was, right? So right. he went to Apocalypse. Uh, Apocalypse, and then he went to Earth, and now uh, at Earth he can see that Darkseid's been down there and he's been starting some crap, right? Yep. So now it's off to war. Yep. And he says, Darkseid, I've come. The battle begins. And Darkseid's listening, right? And Darkseid can see him. Um, and he says, I hear you, Orion. The battle begins. And then it's interesting, at the very uh, last page of this issue, it's a prologue, uh, which would, you know, it would basically kickstart you into the beginning of the new gods. So all we've read up to this point is the end of the old gods and introduction of some of the new. So that's it. Um, new Gods, number one, 1971. Uh, written, drawn, edited by Jack Kirby, inked by Vinnie Coletta. And uh, just like, I, I love it, man. I love it so much. I just love being able to look inside Jack's mind like, and just how expensive reading just this one issue that you can tell this entire world is going to be. Right, I agree with you. I think it's... You know, um, a lot of a lot of people call it his magnum opus, this whole uh, fourth world saga. But issue one is such a perfect introduction to such a grand scheme. Um, the colors that he uses, the the they're I mean they're so bright. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the costumes are just crazy. Uh, it, it's a perfect sci-fi uh, fantasy. You know, it, it, anyway, I yeah, I love it. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, I think um, it's just. I'll be honest. Uh, a lot of people have a hard time with this fourth world stuff, and and this one, this first issue, I think is pretty easy to read. But as it goes on, it definitely gets harder, and it just gets so out there, dude. And as I've been thinking about it, you know, for a long time, I didn't like. Um, I thought that Stanley was just out there trying to steal all the thunder for you know, basically creating everything, and Jack Kirby was just uh, his pawn or whatever, and it. it made me mad because Jack Kirby did the majority of the work um, and got hardly any of the credit. So that used to make me mad. But as I, as I really dove into Kirby more, I realized that Stanley definitely played a part in basically translating Kirby's mind uh, in a way that normal people could understand it. You know, like sure. I, I think the way Kirby thought was on a completely different level. I think the the difficulty in reading some of the fourth world stuff and and even some of like the OMAC stuff or the, the things that came later, or, and even after this spoiler alert, he goes back to Marvel again in like 1976 or 77, um, and he does have more full reign there. He writes and draws, and even that stuff, the Captain America stuff he does, there is kind of hard to read. And I really think it's just because he. he couldn't explain everything um, that was going on, the, these grand ideas in a way that normal people could 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 get it, you know. Right. It was so grand. It's it's hard to to miniature it for the, the common people. Right. And so I think that uh, trying to organize it all and, and without putting it on paper and having someone uh, say, hey, this would sound better to people than this. Would be very hard to do. Yeah, and so I think that's probably why why a lot of people struggled with some of his stuff, is because of the fact that it, it like you said, and not only that, but it also reads 
almost biblical. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of, not necessarily like the words are thee and thou or whatever, but right. um, just the way that it, it reads out, you know, like you said, it's a very uh, theological. Yeah. And that can be hard to get, you know, to read also. Yeah. So I, and I really do think that, um, you know, that that's, that was the part that Stan played. I think Stan relied on Jack a lot. I know he did. Um, he's, there would be times, the Marvel method was Stan would come up with the plot, the writer, or the artist would basically come up with the entire story, and then um, Stanley would put the words in there. But I, I know he said that with, with Jack Kirby, he didn't even give him the plot lots of times. He, he would just say, give me a Fantastic Four issue. And then Kirby would come up with an issue with empty dialogue balloons, and then Stanley would fill those in. And, um, but I do think that it definitely helped um, for just your average person to get into comics. But I do suggest you really push through and read. Like, you'll be happy you did if you read the Fourth World stuff. Like, because it's just so awesome. It's so amazing. And if you can just put some time into it, you may need to read it a couple times. I know that, that with some of Kurt Jack's stuff, I've had to read the pages a couple times to see what he actually meant. Because he uses really flowery, flowery language, really, like, over-the-top, like, uh, metaphors and like adjectives and things and, and kind of takes away sometimes from what he's actually trying to say but if you really stick to it I think you'll really be happy I agree I think so. uh, it, it's the, the the final the final the finale of it all uh, comes together well not really but uh, that's another story so yeah. anyway <laughs> but it, it's it's well worth the read and it's it's worth every every minute that you're gonna spend reading it yeah, and you can still find um, the original issues online. They'll cost you a little bit, but um, I think you can find like like for sure a readable copy that's not in great condition for twenty to thirty bucks if you want the original. But if you want, um, it's been reprinted so many times. Um, there's the Fourth World Omnibus um, that's just a paperback that DC picks up or that made. That's probably the cheapest way to get it. The whole story. Um, so you could do that, but they have them in like big grand omnibuses, and I don't know exactly what the name of them is, but yeah, you can you can get the story lots of places. It's available. Welcome to our next segment called Key to Me. This is not necessarily a key issue um, out there in the whole world of comics, but something that's more close to us. Uh, depending on, um, well, just how we feel about the medium and something that we hold close to our heart. Yeah, so you all have certain issues, I'm sure, that like got you into comics or that you were really stoked on that you know are not necessarily ones that are going to go down in the Hall of Fame, but to, in your own Hall of Fame, in your own halls, they're up there. And, and so, uh, yep, this is just going to be a short little segment where we talk about individual ones. Do you want to go first? Sure. So mine uh, is Ultimate Spider-Man number one by Brian Michael Bendis. I believe it came out in 2000 or 2001. I can't remember exactly. Um, but that issue essentially brought me back to comic books. Um, more than just the issue itself, uh, I had graduated high school um, I was getting ready for the next phase of life and um, one of my buddies that I had for a long time was working at a comic shop and I went in uh, to go visit him because uh, I haven't been in one for a long time because I, you know, high school, you know, you know, I already talked about that. Right. But anyhow, uh, 
you know, he, I was like, what's new? And he's like, oh, you got to check out this Spider-Man. So I, I got Spider-Man, uh, number, Ultimate Spider-Man number one. And they were up to issue four or something at the time. Um, so I bought it. I went home and read it. And I honestly could not get enough. I, I ate it up. And I, I went back to the comic shop literally 15 minutes later after I finished the issue. And I bought up uh, two, three, and four as well. Um, and just that really brought me back to comics. Um and the rest is history. So it, it's weird because I went back and reviewed it uh, a couple days ago. And I don't know what drew me to the Ultimate Spider-Man uh, overall. Like, I really don't know what the drive was or why I loved it so much. It's really weird because I went back and read it. And as, as I've matured, um, I just, it, it's weird. I just, I didn't have the respect for it as much as I did when I first read it. I, I, I still think it's great. I just uh, it's it's very interesting my mindset of that time compared to the to now. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Yeah, that, that happens to me too when rereading old issues that I love. But um, yeah, that that one in particular I think was good because it basically reintroduced Peter Parker to you know an, another generation. You right. Um, we we you know read him growing up, but you the, occasionally they would redo his his origin story and stuff, but never on a scale like this where it's less like okay we're gonna just completely restart everything from the ground up and so it was the perfect time to jump on and i don't you're definitely not alone dude i think that that book brought in so many new like or so many people back into comics and so many new readers right um and so it was huge for what it is in fact uh, i think that was the reason that bendis became who he was basically in control of all of marvel like you know that's where that led him because the fact that he knew how to write that to connect to people. And Bendis definitely has his his issues, uh, his problems too. Like, I don't read a ton of his stuff anymore. But, um, but yeah, that was definitely a huge um, turning point, I think, for yeah, comics. I, I agree. That breakthrough, uh, Ultimate Spider-Man issue number one, just... It, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy what it did for the medium uh, in the, you know, in the early 2000s and, and become what it has today. Right. Yeah, so my key to me issue is. Uh, are you done? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah thanks. My key to me issue is um, Teen Titans Spotlight number fourteen, starring Nightwing. So this series was just um, a series. Uh, originally, it was going to be Marv Wolfman that wrote all of them because there were stories that he wanted to tell in New Teen Titans, um, individual stories that he couldn't do because you had to include the entire team um, in New Teen Titans. You couldn't just do... I, I think eventually that changed, but at the time you couldn't just do a Nightwing story in the Teen Titans. So um, so what he did is um, some of these stories went over two or three issues. Um, this one is just a one-shot issue. And, dude, when I was a kid, when I first found out about Nightwing, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Like, the fact that <laughs> Robin grew out of Robin to become another hero... I thought it was so cool. Like I was obsessed with it actually. And and the fact that there was another Robin after, I was just like, wait, so there's multiple Robins and and then this first Robin went off and now he's doing his own thing and uh and he's banging some hot alien chick and I thought that was like <laughs> the greatest thing ever. Um so I I anything with Nightwing, um, I would totally jump on. I loved it so much. And would you even jump on uh Dick? <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been known to, yeah, but I mean, I've mostly not so much anymore now that I've grown up a little bit. But there definitely were some times. 
Anyway, um, this one's kind of cool because Nightwing has to save Batman. Um, Batman gets, um, he's like investigating this drug ring and then he gets overtaken. Somebody like saps him on the back of the head and knocks him out, spits on his face. Oh, it's I was going to guess something else. Spit. Yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and then you cut to Nightwing who's doing this meditation thing. It's awesome. He's just in his Manhattan apartment. And, uh, Bloodhaven? Manhattan? No, no it is yeah, Manhattan. Yeah, he's in Manhattan oh. with, with the new Teen Titans. Okay. Um, but yeah, he's in there. He's doing a meditation. He's staring at a candle, focusing his chakra. Got a picture of Starfire by his phone. Um, but he's got a red phone. It rings, and it's Alfred that's calling him. So oh, that's sweet. a little throwback that's to... Yeah, the 66. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Alfred's just like, you know what? Bruce hasn't come home. He needs some dick. And so... So Dick comes uh, <laughs> back to the Batcave and Godzilla's in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the basement. It's called the Batcave. <laughs> okay. So anyway, um, he's going through and he's seeing all the trophies in the trophy room and just remembering all these things. Just oh man, that's crazy. Um, and let's see. Uh, and I believe, I can't remember if Jason is dead by this point. I think he is dead by this point. And this is before Tim joined or something. Anyway, um, so uh, what he ends up finding about, he, he uses all the detective skills. It's really cool. It's like an homage to, Kelly, what are you doing? Sorry, I didn't help. <laughs> okay, so it's an homage to like everything he learned from Batman. Uh, he's, he's like finding footprints and stuff, using all of his detective skills to find out where Batman is. And, um, and That's it's, uh, yeah. Anyway, let's not worry about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> what's really cool is, so he ends up finding Batman and then at the very end of the story, there's just this really cool, like exchange basically actually hits a messed up exchange. Nightwing just comes to save Batman and Batman is just being a total dick to Dick. And he's just like, I told you never to not come here. Bruce, I saved your life. <laughs> and like, and he's just like, Ugh, what's the use? And he starts to walk away. He says, no, I got to try. And then he comes back up. He says, look, one of us needs to say this. And it looks like it's got to be me. This is what Dick is saying to Batman. And he just says, uh, uh, I wanted to be my own man, whatever. Uh, I chose a costume and a name that reflected you. You're a part of me, Bruce, and I can't deny it. And I don't want to deny it any longer. I just wanted you to know that. And uh, one other thing, I'm proud to have been a Robin. And Batman's just being a total dick. He's not saying anything. Yeah, he's like, staring Nightwing at him, is, dude. like, unloading on him. Yeah. Just, uh, like, everything. And then he just, like, Batman doesn't say anything after he says, I'm proud to be a Robin. Nightwing just walks away and just says, in his mind, he's saying, I, I'm not even sure. Or he's like, I'll never know how he feels about me. I'm not even sure he has feelings anymore. But it doesn't matter. I've made my own path, and I feel good about it. And maybe, just maybe, he feels that way too. And then the very last panel is Batman smiling, yeah. which makes it seem like he, like Batman does love him. But really, it just looks like he's like laughing because he's just <laughs> like, what he's a like, he's, why is he being such a <laughs> pussy? Why is why is he like coming and crying and wanting to hug? He's just like, get out of here, dude. Go back to the Teen Titans. And so, uh, yeah, so that was one that. Um, that I loved, but I just loved like him coming back and confronting Batman as being a previous Robin. I thought that was pretty cool. Because, dude, all the Robins are like mentally messed up, right? Oh, yeah. They're all screwed up, yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, to have a dad like, well, quote-unquote dad like Batman, 
Be the worst. Dude. It'd be the worst. <laughs> yeah. I'd I'd want to get beat to death by a crowbar <laughs> if that was the case. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. You're asking for the crowbar if you have Batman for a death. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> All right. I think we're gonna wrap that segment up. Okay, we're gonna um, test out this segment of the show. Um, we're gonna call it What the. Um, remember those comics? What I do the? remember what the yeah. comics. Yeah, those were funny, huh? They were funny. I remember liking those. It was like uh, after they they did the what if what if ones, but then the what the ones were just ridiculous. Right? Yeah, just absurd. Yeah, like what if Spider Man was a pig? Yep. And so basically, the what the you can tune out now if you if you are sensitive to things that you love that we may make fun of. Yeah, we're gonna completely mock and try and destroy thoughts about these. Yeah. So we 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 just have certain. This is our like bitching session. Um. So. Um, Kelly, what do you want to bitch about this time? Well, first I want to talk about ScarJo, okay? ScarJo. ScarJo. ScarJo Johansson. Yeah. yeah. I just don't get it, man. Why do people think she's hot? Dude, I don't know, man. People, like, think that she's, like, the best thing, the hottest thing in the world. And I don't, I don't understand. Like, even for, even for superhero movies, like, I would take the Wasp over her any day. Right. She's crap. Dude, she doesn't yeah. contribute, contribute anything to the Avengers. All she does is walk around in tight leather and she's greasy. I don't yeah. want to see her in tight leather. Oh, I want yeah. her to just go away. Dude, yeah, she's she's so greasy, dude. That when like <laughs> she sits down, she has to put like a paper towel underneath her. Right, and, like bacon, yeah, dude. Exactly. Yes, she is nasty. Like, would you want to sleep next to her on a bed? No, <laughs> you'd wake up in your pillow and be soaked with grease. She's disgusting. Yeah. So I don't know people. I don't know people. This is a new generation, a new day, though. People's sexualities are different. So I don't think she qualifies as standard, um, like, as a man, it's standard heterosexual um, attraction because she's something different. It's like being attracted to, like, like kitty litter or something. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's like you have a fetish for, like, eating rubber or whatever. I don't know. It's Yeah, it's, it's really weird. Like, she... And, and again, like, I could understand if she was, like, a superhero and actually had something to contribute to a team and being attracted to that aspect of her but she doesn't even kick ass she's like she's garbage <laughs> no, dude she's she's fought in a couple of episodes or uh, of those movies don't you remember in captain america or whatever she was tied to the chair and oh yeah oh yeah so just like low-level thugs but you're gonna go up against thanos i mean come on now <laughs> yeah that's true but i i'm not my problem isn't so much uh with the superhero of the character but it's just the actress. Like, I think if you went to school with her or you walked past her on the street, you wouldn't even look twice at her, dude. I agree. Yeah. Like, I don't care if she was naked, you wouldn't look twice. Uh, yeah, you wouldn't. You'd just be like, what's that smell? Or, exactly. Yeah. I, gotta clean, I gotta clean the grease out of my eyes. Yeah, exactly. You could have got a tissue, I blow my nose and get the grease out. <laughs> All right. If any of you are still listening, What's your next thing? You got? The next one was Will Wheaton. Okay, and not just Will Wheaton specifically, but the whole Uber nerd thing is in right now, yeah. and I don't understand why. Like, cons- like, and Will Wheaton is considered a god, I guess, in the nerd community. Yeah, and like people want to meet him at conventions. So I don't get it, dude. I just don't understand these like Uber nerds that are like mentioned in all types of of nerd nerddom. Yeah, is that a word? Uh, n- nerdy dumb. Nerdy dumb. Um, dude, I uh, think I don't have a problem with the guy. I peed next to him at Emerald City Comic Con. I was he was at the urinal right next to me. Oh yeah, yeah. I peeked over. Yeah, yeah. How is it? 
It was good, dude. It was really hard and huge. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I loved it. I loved it so much. I asked him if I could shake it for him. Because, you know, when you're done peeing, you got to yeah, yeah. shake it. Did he let you? Uh, no. Oh. Uh, no, he didn't. And he looked at me like I asked, like I'm the weird one. <laughs> you know, I, I get it's... It, it's not, like I said, it's not Will Wheaton specifically, but it, just the uber nerd and like how, you know, it, it's cool to be a nerd now. And I just don't get the, the drive. I mean, nerds are nerds for a reason. That's why there's a nickname nerd. <laughs> yeah. You know? They, they should all be like um, trampled on and Or pushed down the stairs in a wheelchair or, <laughs> you know, something like that. <laughs> so, um, no, Will Wheaton, I think he's got a, a, something that people like because he was in a nerdy show. Plus, he's a geek himself, right? Like, right. he's into that same type of stuff. And I think somehow like the nerds think that they can he's one who made it good right so he's like he's like their god because he's a dork that made it somewhat big right well, I, this, well okay so then how come seth green doesn't get credit i think he should get more yeah he should get more credit and yeah. dude he, he created robot chicken that's incredible yeah and he's awesome yeah um, and he was in the original it movie do you know that oh was he yeah i didn't know that until i went back and watched it and he's he was in there dude, way before he was really much of anything but I, I think he might get some credit in certain circles. You just don't, you just aren't in those circles. Yeah, I, I definitely am not in those circles. So jokes. down with Will Wheaton, down with Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Okay. That's where we're at. Uh, today's what the? Those are the ones we roasted this time. If you guys want us to roast uh, others, somebody else, don't send them to us. This is for us, not you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I am your co-host, Callie. And I'm Spencer. And uh, we will talk to you again soon, hopefully. Oh, also, uh, if you're a Patreon, go ahead and stay attuned. And if you're not, turn it off. <laughs> What's Sound up? checking. What's Dirt up? Practice your intro. So, uh, welcome to the Keyback Issue. You're not, you're not supposed to say so, uh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> welcome to the Keyback Issue. That the podcast good. that explore, explores single issues... Of importance through the Bronze Age. That's good, dude. Yeah, do it. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to get some excitement up here. All right, I will. Importance through the Bronze Age. We're not talking just about Bronze Age. Um, From the beginning of comics up through the Bronze Age. From the birth of comics. Yeah, yes, the birth. From the uh, birth to the afterbirth (laughs) of comics. (laughs) 